survive and thrive. This is a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but thrive in change. I'm your host and co-founder of Consinity, Jennifer Ayers. This season, my partners and I will walk you through eight tenets to drive meaningful, impactful, and sustainable change in an organization. We'll explore each of these tenets at a high level over eight weeks, and then we'll take a deeper dive into each one to really understand why it's important and how to put some of these principles into practice. We'll share some of our own personal experiences from the hundreds of clients we've helped over the years and invite other professionals to our show to share their stories on what's worked, what hasn't worked, and what perspectives they can offer on the relevance of these tenants. I'm really excited to have my partner, Lisa Inslee, back again for this episode. Lisa joined us for our first episode of this season when we talked about a case for change. Very important subject. Lisa, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Well, you're such a pleasure to talk to that it was very easy. So, And our listeners have a high demand for your voice. So um, I'm thrilled. (laughs) Good to hear. (laughs) So you gave your background in our first episode of this season just a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to give you an opportunity just to briefly remind our audience about your superpower. So share that, please. Sure. A lot of my recent tenure has been in the digital or software product management space. And with being in a product leadership role, there's a ton of different aspects that come into play um, beyond what some people might think about when they think about a product leader. Product is all about changing behaviors, changing outcomes. I've constantly had to think broadly about impacts to business, impacts to people, impacts to stakeholders. And that broad experience and purview is kind of where I have a lot of fun playing because it's, it's like a puzzle. It's complicated. And that's why like I said on our last podcast episode together, uh, this subject is highly interesting to me. Anything that humans are involved in is complicated for sure. So mm-hmm. yes, Lisa is also our quote unquote human experience expert. So all things uh, relevant to how to create not only a compelling customer experience, but what does that look like from an employee experience perspective? How is it holistically strung together? So. We could certainly share a few stories with our listeners on what our journeys have been like helping uh, companies realize a an image both externally to the marketplace, a brand promise, and embracing that internally as well. So now, last time we talked, we did talk a lot about some of the important aspects of helping an organization through a transformation. And I'd love if you could recap for us what are sort of the top three things that you think are most important for an organization that's trying to move through a transformation. Absolutely. So first, we talked last time about creating a case for change, creating that story arc around what's changing and why. Secondly, uh, making sure that you do the work to identify who the various audiences are um, or stakeholder groups that are going to be impacted by the change. Because thirdly, you need to shape your messaging around those audiences to be as effective as possible in guiding people through transformation and change. 
Love that. And since today's tenant subject is all around messaging matters, I would love to hear from you related to that last point that you just highlighted on uh, around messaging. In almost every interview we conducted during our first season, communication was one of the number one actions a leader could take that came up during navigation of complicated times and unknown times, especially with COVID. And communications to help navigate change sounds so simple, yet I think organizations don't always do communications so well. So in your experience, how can organizations do a better job at communications? It's a great question. There is often a lot of opportunity left on the table when, as leaders, we don't pause to think about what is happening in the organization and how actions we're taking or projects we're launching or work that's being done is going to create change and and taking a, a, a lead on bringing people through the change. A lot of times, you know, that's that's left behind. So I think firstly, just making sure you're always considering, you know, what's changing and how can I help people through that? That's that's critical. But broadly, organizations can also do a better job by making sure they're not waiting too long to communicate information. That can be highly problematic. Last we spoke, I noted that avoiding communication is where you have people filling in the gaps for you, which can create a lot of disparate thinking and effects on the organization that can be very negative. Many times it's not possible to wait until you have all of the information 100% perfect before you communicate. Responding to this pandemic has been a great example of this because leaders weren't always in control of all the information that was coming out in terms of guidance from local governments, requirements, etc. So in this case, you have to go with what you know and what you can do to make yourself feel more comfortable about going out early and often with information is just to make sure that you are being very self-aware and you're showing that self-awareness and creating messaging from a place that acknowledges what we know, what we don't know, and how things might change. And then the other quick recommendation I'll throw out there is to be in tune with who you're communicating with and all the nuances that come with that. Um, You're trying to drive certain outcomes and behaviors with your messaging. So you need to have an idea of where you're moving people from and to. It's going to vary across different groups of people and it's going to require different types of messaging and also vehicles for that messaging. That's a great point. And I'm curious then, why do you think it's important to consider these different audiences and their needs? Ultimately, a a one-size-fits-all approach is going to leave a lot of opportunity on the table to move everyone in the direction that you're headed. And for people that might not be in the communication space or maybe haven't been in in very senior leadership positions, you can almost think of this as personalized marketing or personalized experiences more broadly. Different audiences interpret or have different needs. So in the case of leading through change, different audiences are going to be affected differently. They're going to be on varying ends of the spectrum. One side, you'll have people that are very supportive of changes that are happening. On the other side, you'll have people who are detractors, who are unsupportive of the changes and frankly risk your success of the work that you're doing. There will be different roles they play in supporting the change You might be talking with a group of people that are knowledge workers versus frontline workers. 
you're talking with people who might be leaders of large organizations or they might be individual contributors. There's functional, geographical, cultural needs. Tailoring your message to all of these various conditions about the audiences, it's going to give you so much more insight to formulate messaging that resonates with each. Like I said, as a concept, knowing your audience is similar here as it is to preparing for a presentation that you're about to give or creating a marketing strategy. It helps you be relevant. It helps you be empathetic and center the communication around people. That's a great point. It's human nature. And I think it's sometimes super obvious you should be creating a communication that's relevant for your audience. But uh, that's not how, how it actually happens in, in a number of instances, uh, at least that I've seen in my experience. A lot of messages are very generically crafted or communicated out very broadly without that consideration for what are the specific nuances for the audiences that are impacted. And admittedly, you don't always know that. It takes effort in understanding how people are going to be impacted in the roles that they play. But the more that you can collect some of that upfront information on how someone's going to be impacted, how this message is going to be received, I think it goes a long way for the content of your messaging to to be effective. Absolutely. And I mentioned in conversations we've had one-on-one or in groups that earlier on in my career, I didn't quite understand or know there was such a thing as change management as a practice. But in reality, the the work that we're talking about doing here to successfully lead organizations through change is quite similar to the the research, the legwork, the effort you would put into a lot of different types of project work. It just, you know, might not have been labeled change management. Um, and I think that's where we have a huge opportunity to better coach future leaders to understand how to identify, acknowledge, and plan for guiding through transformation that has a great opportunity to improve the employee experience for many different organizations if they are just more mindful of making that a part of how they coach future leaders. That's a great point. Uh, I think it's super important that organizations take the time and make the investment in their leaders and in themselves as leaders to really be intentional about messaging and communicating. And it goes a long way, even simple uh, communication to someone that's reporting to, for example, to check in on how they're doing, how they're feeling. Even something like that can go a long way with just keeping your workforce engaged because it signals to them that you understand where they are or you're trying to learn where they are or you're trying to have empathy and you're trying to show that you care for my two cents. That's, I think, a great way to keep uh, people plugged in. So I'm curious from your point of view, you, you know, there are so many different ways to communicate these days. And you mentioned just earlier in one of your previous responses that there are different channels. So in your experience, what have been some of the more effective ways to communicate changes? It's important to have a regular, reliable cadence of communications and a repetition of critical foundational pieces of information. You're at the center of the change and the information you're so steeped in, that's not how people on the receiving end of your communications are experiencing that information. They have a million other things going on professionally and personally. So it's critical that to be effective in messaging communication about change, that you're reiterating key points, you're doing it in a way that creates helpful repetition and doesn't assume everyone is hanging on to 
or memorizing every word. And I think part of the way that can be done is through what you just mentioned, which is considering the channels that you're using. Um, there's all sorts of means and methods and modalities to provide different groups of stakeholders the right information at the right time and making that feel relevant, timely, personalized. The other suggestion around effective communication is enroll and empower others to take part in delivering the message. Um, You can create something like an FAQ document or a messaging map that you can share with other key leaders and stakeholders that have influence. They can help you. You can give them support to help them talk about the change with their network. You can also work with the same people to get a pulse on how that messaging is being received, which creates a really nice feedback loop for you to then continuously improve what you're communicating, what that messaging is, and, and how you're getting that messaging out. Oh, that's great. And I'm I'm thinking back to one of my earlier podcast guests in the first season, Boss Schwartz of Johnson & Johnson. He runs their change management practice um, in their global services group. And he really shared an interesting story in the interview about the importance of communication in response to the crisis. And he talks about responding to any crisis really, he believes, begins with uh, communications. And in that episode, he talked a lot about um, empowering the mid-level managers to play a role in that communication and how important that that is, um, tying back to, you know, how do you bring others along the journey to help with that messaging? And he also got got into some creative ways to get some of the messaging out where they had some of these mid-level team managers holding open mic sessions where they could disseminate information and have open dialogue with the individuals that um, were impacted, obviously, with the pandemic. Everybody was impacted, but it allowed for some two-way communication as well, which is just very sort of an interesting experience that he shared in our interview in season one. So if you I know you've listened to it, but if our listeners haven't had an opportunity to plug into that, I definitely would recommend going back and listening in on that episode in season one. That's a great reminder to listen to that episode for two reasons. You know, one, you don't have to go it alone. You don't have to be the only one communicating. You can really leverage creative means of communicating and different people in the organization to help get the right information out. You can really deputize people. And I think in a lot of cases, they they would like to be empowered and deputized. And the second thing that those examples bring forward is the likelihood that employees are going to be feeling more confident and trusting in their organization if they feel that their direct line managers and also middle management have some kind of involvement because it signals that there's broader control and broader input across the organization, that these things aren't just happening between a small group of people. And that goes a long way, especially in a large organization like a Johnson and Johnson or another, you know, even even smaller mid-sized enterprise or company where you've got a matrix organization or a lot of layers of management, having those various layers of management informed and empower feels a lot better for those individual contributors that are trying to make sense of what's happening. That's great. By the way, for our listeners, I think that was episode 13 in season one. So, and we also 
communication comes up a lot throughout all of season <laughs> one, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the conversation with Ed Skaronsky when he was at Rackspace and he talks a lot about the importance and some of the, the things that they did during times of crisis. So I am kind of interested around with regards to your perspective on the importance of a call to action in communications. I think a call to action in communications when you're going through these transformations and, and change initiatives is incredibly beneficial. It's more engaging when you actively enlist support. It makes people feel as if the change is less top down as much as that's possible in some cases. It gives people the ability to have some role in the change and it can be empowering for them to hear that there is an action that they can take, even if that action is simply where to go to share feedback on their thoughts, concerns, how the change is impacting them, you know, even if that's just directly with their manager as one example, it gives more of a feel of a two-way experience. And again, it puts more empowerment in the hands of everyone in the organization. So I think a call to action is incredibly powerful and important. Great. In our first season recap, especially, we talk a lot about how empathy is one of the key ingredients to create a resilient organization and change. What's your opinion about empathy and its role in communications? It's highly critical. I believe that empathizing is part of how you create effective communications and empathy is best shown and delivered through communications that have been developed in that way. So it's a little bit circuitous. Um, And to take it a step further, your actions and how you provide support and solutions can help leaders and organizations show compassion, which is even more powerful than showing empathy. Awesome. I I couldn't agree more. And for our listeners out there who are maybe thinking, okay, how do I be empathetic when developing communications. A simple formula is to just ask a what, why, when, how questions and what is changing? How is it changing? How might it affect that individual that is being impacted? Why is this change happening? And when is it happening? So just very sort of simple reminders on thinking about empathy as part of building your communications and remaining, I like to say, remaining constantly curious, asking questions that give you some insights as to how an an audience might receive the message. So yes, and I love the concept of applying curiosity to all the work that you do. And especially in this case, it's going to help you get to a lot of better outcomes. Awesome. Well, I think that we have probably covered some pretty interesting observations with regards to messaging, creating messaging, meaningful messaging. I I would like to maybe invite you to add a few more words or thoughts around the notion of communications as a way to enhance the overall employee experience in an organization, not just specific to change. Care to say a few words on that? Communications with internal employees is an important consideration to build out not just in corporate functions or you know make it solely the responsibility of, for example a corporate communications group or a human resources group i think that communications as part of transformation 
can be embedded everywhere. And, and that's where I was driving towards earlier in the conversation in saying that we can do a much better job of coaching and training, even, you know, people at the analyst and professional level, how to think about engaging with fellow employees in their workforce on a more project by project basis, because inevitably the work that we do doesn't just affect external stakeholders, but oftentimes internal stakeholders. And there's a lot more we can do to build culture and build camaraderie and a stronger workforce by figuring out what the interplay is between, you know, what I'm doing as an individual at my company and how that's affecting, maybe not just affecting, but also how how can what I'm doing benefit more people in the company and having that mindset and being able to wrap your head around what that would mean to communicate to people or to share with people or to help lead people through, I think would be quite interesting. That's a great point. And a lot of my years of doing this, one of the most effective ways to get buy-in and to get messaging out there and to also get feedback on how people are being impacted or how they're feeling is to create communication champions in the organization or change champions. Sometimes folks have referred to them in the past, in my experience, individuals that can represent the organization, have influence in the organization, perhaps, and are excited about finding ways to help their colleagues along in the journey. And it's, it's extremely powerful and an organization can get a lot of leverage out of building this kind of network, regardless if they're going through a transformation or planning to go through a change of some sort or deploy a project or whatnot. So love that you touched upon that. So I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. I think the, what is the saying? Uh, you'll go faster if you go together. And I think you know, oftentimes we, we, we might have these projects or these initiatives or products that we're working on. And it feels like something you're working on to benefit only external stakeholders. But when you can look across the organization and think about well, who else might be able to leverage this or who else actually has an impact on how successful this might be, you can create this significant wave of momentum by engaging and listing and leading others through the work you're doing internally. And you get a far more interesting outcome, in my experience. Yes, good point. I think the it's an African proverb, I think, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yes, that is it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that anyway. Something like that. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I always love talking to you and you bring such interesting ideas and insights into the conversation and you have some rich experiences that I, I know not only our clients benefit from every day, but your uh, colleagues have benefited from over the years of working with them. So are there any final uh, ideas or thoughts or comments or questions that we haven't covered in our time together today around messaging matters? I think we've covered it all. I don't have anything to add. Do the diligence. Sometimes it feels onerous, but do the diligence to break down, understand who you're talking with and how to make that messaging as relevant as possible. It's, it's going to make such a huge difference. And I know in times of change and transformation, that can be quite overwhelming. And I also know that when it doesn't feel like a lot of change and doesn't feel like we're doing transformative work, we leave that off the table, but don't leave that on the table. I think that's where there's a huge amount of opportunity that's untapped in in many uh, organizations. Awesome. Great. 
Well, thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening and joining this week's episode of Survive and Thrive Podcast. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.